Why did Jesus literally have to die on our behalf? Wasn't there another way? We're going to talk about that today and more on BibleStudyPodcast.org, starting now. Very serious. Hello, everybody. God bless you all, and welcome once again to BibleStudyPodcast.org. Today is Wednesday, August the 6th of 2008, and I'm your host, Toby Logsdon, and welcome to our next lesson on the essentials. Of course, over the past uh, couple months, we've been going over a series in which we define the beliefs of Christianity. And so welcome to those of you, especially if you're joining us for the first time. Welcome. Hope you guys are having a fantastic week. It is just unbelievably hot here in Charlotte. I hope it's cooler wherever you guys are. It's cooler in Arkansas, although I'm not there yet. So uh, it's just a matter of time, hopefully. But I'm inside staying cool today anyway. So that's fine with me. I've got plenty of studying to do for uh, for my finals coming up in uh, Contemporary Cults and writing this paper on Daniel. I've got a lot of work ahead of me, but anyway, I wanted to take just a moment to thank those of you who have taken the time to leave comments for us on iTunes, and that's actually something I go in and read every now and then just to see what you guys are, are saying about me or what people are saying about you know the, the ministry that we've got here, and uh, I just, I am totally flattered at so many of the comments that have been left. So thank you if you guys have taken the time to uh, to get onto iTunes and let the world know what you think about our ministry or our podcasts. But anyway, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. And God bless you. Thank you for, for leaving the comments for us on iTunes. Let's go ahead and get started today with a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this lesson in which we can talk about the things that define Christianity, the beliefs that we have in you and why we believe in these things. Lord, just help us to understand these things and to know you better because we know these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in our last lesson on the essentials last week, we talked about the sinlessness of Christ. And of course, as Christians, We believe that Jesus had to be sinless, even though he did have a human nature, but he had to be sinless because if he wasn't, first of all, he couldn't have been God because it's impossible for God to sin. So if Jesus would have sinned, he couldn't have been God. But it's also necessary to believe that Jesus was sinless because if he was not, then he couldn't serve as the spotless lamb, the perfect sacrifice on our behalf. He couldn't have been our sacrifice if he had been blemished by sin. So this actually brings us to the next essential doctrine, which actually kind of logically follows the sinlessness of Christ, and that is the belief that Jesus died for our sins. Now, most of you are probably thinking, well, isn't that just a given? I mean, this is kind of overkill, right? Well, let me just say this. You'll be surprised at how many people, how many groups there are out there who deny that Jesus died the way we believe he died or for the reason we believe he died. And, you know, as always, we'll close by talking about some of the groups out there who deny the crucifixion. 
But let me go ahead and start out by reminding you, and, and you know, if this is your first time joining, you wouldn't know this, but just reminding you guys that this study is based on the book Conviction Without Compromise, written by Dr. Norman Geisler and Dr. Ron Rhodes. This book deals with everything that defines Christianity, and it's it's a really easy read. So it's definitely something that I would recommend for you guys. It's number one on our recommended reading list on BibleStudyPodcast.org, and of course, you can order through Amazon right through our website. So if that's something that you guys are interested in, by all means, that's the that's the place where you can find our recommended reading list. Over on the right-hand side on BibleStudyPodcast.org, the front page, uh, you'll find a link that says Recommended Reading. So that's where you would go. But anyway, let's start out by talking about why it was even necessary for Jesus to die. Well, it's because the crucifixion, what we would also refer to as the sacrificial atonement, is at the heart of the fact that we are saved. It's the reason that we have salvation. Exactly why Jesus had to die in the way that he did is, you know, maybe a matter that's open for discussion or or debate, but, you know, I think the Reformers actually had some really good arguments. Martin Luther, for example, who, of course, started the Reformation, he argued that God justified us before him by bestowing upon us the righteousness of Christ, which was made available through his death on our behalf. That was basically Martin Luther's uh, position. John Calvin argued that, quote, man is not made righteous in justification, but is accepted as righteous, not on account of his own righteousness, but on account of the righteousness of Christ located outside of man, end quote. And I think that's a that's really an excellent argument if you, if you go back and listen to that again, since we know that even after receiving salvation, we're not exactly righteous in all of our actions. I mean, we continue to struggle with our sin nature, and we fall from time to time. Uh, Some people fall more than others. Some people struggle more than others. I mean, we don't actually uh, become perfect once we receive salvation, but rather we, uh, we are credited with Christ's righteousness because of our faith in him. And uh, so that was John Calvin's argument. And I would only add to this that death was passed down through sin, and that death is the penalty of sin. So because Jesus didn't sin, justice didn't demand that he die or that he face death. However, because he was sinless and because as God he was of infinite worth, he chose, he freely chose to take the death that we deserve upon himself on our behalf. All sins require punishment. And because Jesus was of infinite worth and did not require punishment for any sins that he had committed, he was able to pay for the sins of anyone who puts their faith in him. You see, by ourselves, we would have been completely incapable of paying for our own sins in any way other than being eternally separated from God, because we have no way of being righteous on our own. And that's something that we've covered over and over again in our study in the book of Romans. So there's no way of being righteous on our own before God. So by Jesus dying, the justice of God was ultimately satisfied because sin had been paid for. The, the, the sins had been atoned for, and the mercy of God was therefore enabled, which made God both the just and the justifier of the unjust. Let me say that again. He was the just and he was the justifier of the unjust, the unjust who put their faith in Jesus to save them. But that still might not entirely answer the question of why 
exactly it was necessary for Jesus to die, and especially to die the way he did. Well, it goes back to the Old Testament system of atonement, in which animals were regularly sacrificed to God. And this was actually just a foreshadowing of the atonement of Christ, which was to come. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, quote, Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you are, in fact, unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. And of course, the Passover, the Passover lamb, that is, was the lamb that was slain in the book of Exodus. And the homes that had the blood of the lamb or the blood of the Passover lamb marking their doors were passed over and they were spared from judgment and the wrath of God. So in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 11, God instructed Moses that, quote, the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. So the author of Hebrews also was acutely aware of this custom and the need for sacrifice when he wrote that, quote, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Let me say that again. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. That's Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. But the author of Hebrews continues discussing the Old Testament system of animal sacrifice into chapter 10, where he notes that, quote, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That's Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4. Well, why was it impossible? I mean, that was the, the Old Testament system, right? Didn't it work? What did the author mean when he wrote that? Well, he meant that the blood didn't really wash away the sins of the people, but that the purpose of the sacrificial system of atonement was really to remind people that the penalty of death is sin. Further, the blood of bulls and goats had to be shed, you know, over and over again for the forgiveness of sins. It was never a permanent thing. It didn't forgive them once and for all. That's why the author of Hebrews writes in chapter 10, verse 10, that, quote, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. He continues writing that, quote, by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are being made holy. That's uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. So, in summary, let me give you guys five Five reasons, and there are actually more in this book, Conviction Without Compromise. They give you ten reasons in there, but I'm going to give you five reasons that we need to believe that Jesus came to die in our place. First of all, number one, God can't just look the other way when somebody sins. God is both all-knowing, so he knows when we sin, and he is just. And justice requires that all sins beget some type of punishment. So as we read in Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 13, he says, your eyes are too pure to approve evil and you cannot look on wickedness with favor. If God approved for, you know, somehow approved of some evil done by some people, but not the evil done by others, we would say that he is changing. But the Bible affirms that God is eternal and unchanging. Uh, and that's what we find in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. That's also what we find in James chapter 1, verse 17. And there are a few other verses throughout Scripture which affirm the same thing. God doesn't change. And philosophically, we know that too, but I'm not going to get into that right now. But uh, anyway, anything that's pure act can't change, and God is pure act. But like I said, I'm not going to get into that. That's, uh, that's for another lesson. But anyway, our second point here, our second reason that we need to believe that Jesus came to die in our place is that human depravity, human sinfulness, requires a perfect and complete payment 
for our sins, a perfect and complete payment. We cannot atone for sins. We cannot pay for sins that we've committed against God by simply being sorry or by working to pay off the debt that we owe him. God is eternal in his nature, like I was just saying, and thus the sins that we commit require a payment that is eternal. So since only God is eternal, God himself had to pay for our sins. And that was the whole point of Jesus coming down and becoming a man uh, to pay for our sins. So that's the second reason that we believe that Jesus came to die in our place. The third reason, we read that Jesus claimed to be the fulfillment of the substitutionary sacrifice from Isaiah 53. In Luke twenty-two thirty-seven, we read, For I tell you that this which is written must be fulfilled in me, and he was numbered with transgressors. For that which refers to me has its fulfillment. So he also claimed in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, that he had come, quote, to give his life as a ransom for many. So that's the third reason. He claimed to be this fulfillment from Isaiah 53. And fourth, when we look at this passage in Isaiah 53 that Jesus was referring to, we read that, one, he was pierced for our transgressions. Number two, he was crushed for our iniquities. Number three, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. Four, by his scourging, we are healed. And number five, finally, the Lord has caused the iniquity of all to fall on him. So, in other words, it is exclusively on Jesus. This is only on Jesus, and only he was capable of doing this. So, that's another reason that we need to believe that Jesus came to die in our place. And fifth and finally, we read in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15, that Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. And so, of course, the the first covenant refers to the Old Testament, the sacrificial system. But, you know, people weren't saved in the Old Testament system of animal sacrifice by the blood of the animals whose blood was shed. Believe it or not, that's what the Bible teaches. People were not saved in the Old Testament by shedding the blood of animals. Rather, Abraham's testimony demonstrated that faith and faith alone in God and in the Messiah who was to come was the means of their salvation. Thus, just like we look backwards in time to the crucifixion of Christ, the people of the Old Testament system of animal sacrifice looked forward in time to the crucifixion. Well, Dr. Geisler and Dr. Rhodes have, you know, like I said, they've got 10 reasons to explain why the crucifixion of Jesus is an essential of the Christian faith. So if this is something that you have a particular interest in, in reading about, uh, this, this book is a great place to start. But, you know, in closing, it comes as no surprise that there are several other religions and cults out there which completely deny, or even partially deny, the saving power of the crucifixion. Some deny that Jesus died. They just deny that altogether. They deny that he was crucified on Calvary. And some just deny that it was sufficient as a means of payment for our sins. Well, the first thing that comes to mind for me is Islam, uh, even though that's not mentioned in the book. So I'll I'll give this one to you guys for free. (laughs) But, you know, Islam completely denies the idea that Jesus, or Isa, as they refer to him as, uh, it completely denies the idea that Jesus was the Son of God. Of course, they assert that he was a prophet and a teacher, but that Muhammad, not Jesus, is the ultimate prophet. But the Quran 
explicitly denies that Jesus died on the cross. Instead, what Muslims commonly believe is that Judas took Jesus' place and that Judas was the one who was crucified. But in Surah 4, 157 uh, of the Quran, we read that, quote, And they're saying, Surely we have killed the Messiah, Isa, son of Maryam, the apostle of Allah, and they did not kill him, get that? And they did not kill him, nor did they crucify him. But it appeared to them so, like Isa, and most surely those who differ therein are only in a doubt about it. They have no knowledge respecting it, but only follow a conjecture, for they killed him not, certainly. Um, well, there you have it. You know, they believe that it was either an illusion or that uh, that it was actually Judas who was up there, but they do not believe that Jesus was crucified. So one way or another, Islam denies the atoning and substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus. The common Muslim will argue that uh, the Muslims and Christians both worship the same God, and they, we basically believe the the you know pretty much the same things. But unfortunately, that is clearly not the case. So the first group which comes to mind is Islam. But Mormons also deny the crucifixion, but they deny it in a different way. They don't deny that Jesus was nailed to a cross, but they do deny that the crucifixion was sufficient to provide salvation for anyone who puts their faith in Jesus. For the Mormons, actually, faith isn't enough. Faith isn't sufficient for salvation. Works are also necessary. According to Mormon author Legrand Richards, he writes that Jesus, quote, atoned for Adam's sin, leaving us responsible only for our own sins, end quote. In other words, what he's saying here is that salvation began with the crucifixion of Christ. We don't have to pay for Adam's sin, but from there on out, we're all responsible for our own sins, by doing good works. The book called Gospel Principles, which is published by the Mormon Church, states that Jesus, quote, became our Savior and he did his part to help us return to our heavenly home. It is now up to each of us to do our own part and to become worthy of exaltation, end quote. Have you noticed a trend throughout our study on the essentials throughout this series? You know, Mormons explicitly deny a lot of of these beliefs that are essential to Christianity. A few months ago on the Fox channel, uh, Joel Osteen, some of you guys might know who he is, uh, he was being interviewed on Fox News Channel, and he was asked if he believed that, uh, that a particular unnamed presidential candidate who was a Mormon was a Christian. Uh, he gave the wrong answer, I'll just say that much. But clearly, as we've seen through this study on the essentials, Mormons deny so many of the essential doctrines of Christianity, there is no way to justify the idea that they are Christian. Clearly, they are not. And uh, and hey, by the way, uh, anybody want to pass this series along to Joel Osteen? <laughs> anyway, uh, the next group that comes to mind that denies the crucifixion of Christ is the mind science cults. The mind science cults explicitly deny that Jesus was able to save us through his crucifixion. According to the Christian science cult, which is one of the mind science cults, there is no sin. It's all an illusion. Just like death, pain, and suffering. Everything like that is an illusion. Well, since, uh, according to their logic, since sin and death are both illusions, it's logically impossible that Jesus really died. And if Jesus didn't die, then he couldn't have died for our sins. Mary Baker Eddy, who founded the Christian science cult, wrote that, quote, the material blood of Jesus was no more efficacious to cleanse us from sin when it was shed upon the accursed tree than when it was flowing 
in his veins as he went about his father's business, end quote. And then she continued, uh, writing that, quote, one sacrifice, however great, is insufficient to pay the debt of sin. That God's wrath should be vented upon his beloved son is divinely unnatural. Such a theory is man-made, end quote. Well, isn't it ironic that they refer to themselves as being Christian science? Uh, well, clearly, you know, this cult is not Christian at all. Instead of being saved by the blood of Jesus, they teach that we save ourselves through the metaphysical principles that they that they teach that Jesus taught. They, they claim that Jesus taught these metaphysical principles. But Jesus made it very clear that he came as a ransom for many. Again, that's Mark ten forty five. 45. Uh, of course, it comes as no surprise that the New Age is the next group. They either explicitly deny the, the death of Christ or they reinterpret it esoterically, which basically means that they were looking for some obscure meaning that uh, that lies kind of behind the text. Elizabeth and Mark Prophet wrote that, quote, the erroneous doctrine concerning the blood sacrifice of Jesus, which he himself never taught, has been perpetuated to the present hour. God the Father did not require the sacrifice of his son, Christ Jesus, as an atonement for the sins of the world, nor is it possible, according to cosmic law, what's that? Anyway, nor is it possible, according to cosmic law, for any man's sacrifice to balance either the original sin or the subsequent sins of the one or the many. End quote. And while this is clearly, you know, incorrect, it's not even the worst, uh, you know, that, that we can find in New Age literature. Um, many New Age advocates, like the the mind science cults, deny that there even is such a thing as sin. Rather, they commonly believe that each person is free to determine what's right or what's wrong for themselves. You'll remember uh, in in a previous lesson we mentioned Shirley MacLaine, and you'll remember that she claimed that she was God. And if that's the case, then obviously she didn't need Jesus to atone for any sins that she has committed. So, you know, positions within the the New Age movement actually vary pretty wildly. They're, They're all over the place. But they universally deny the belief that the death of Jesus was sufficient to pay for the sins of those who put their faith in him. You know, without the perfect sacrifice of Jesus, there is no atonement. There is no forgiveness from God. And for that reason, one of the doctrines that is absolutely central and essential to Christianity is the atoning death of Jesus. Well, thank you guys for listening today. God bless you. And I hope that this makes the issue, you know, pretty cut and dry for you, you know, pretty black and white for you guys. If you have any questions, you can always email me at cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com. And I'd be more than happy to clear any of this up for you that I possibly can. But uh, God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening today. I'll see you next time on BibleStudyPodcast.org. Keep growing closer to Jesus. This lesson has been brought to you by BibleStudyPodcast.org, a paraministry of Clean Slate Evangelical Ministries, which is a nonprofit listener-supported ministry based in Monroe, North Carolina. While our desire is that your primary giving be done with your local church, if the Lord is leading you to support our ministry, we do depend on your support to keep our ministry going and growing. 
If you feel the Lord calling you to support our ministry, you can go to BibleStudyPodcast.org and click on support on the right-hand side. You can make a tax-deductible donation from there. By doing so, you'll be helping us to reach multitudes of people each and every month from around the world who, just like yourself, desire to find answers and meaning in Scripture. We thank you for listening today, and we pray that the Lord blesses you and draws you closer to Him. Keep growing closer to Jesus. Jesus.